topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the host and their guests and not those of W4CS Radio, its employees, or affiliates. W4CS makes no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Support Network on W4CS.com. Any health-related information on the following show provides general information only. Content presented on any show by any host or guest should not be substituted for a doctor's advice. Always consult your physician before beginning any new diet, exercise, or treatment program. I'm Dr. Lisa Schuler, the host of tonight's show, the lucky host of tonight's show. We have one of my favorite people on the show tonight, and I will introduce you. <clears throat> I will introduce her to you in just a moment. But before I go there, I want to welcome you to this evening's show. And this is a show all about empowering you with information to lead healthier lives in the face of cancer and really any other chronic disease. And hosting the show is Carolyn Gazella, my co-author, good friend, and myself. And we are also the co-authors of two books, The Definitive Guide to Cancer and The Definitive Guide to Thriving After Cancer. And we also have a great website, if I do say so myself. Great because it has lots of information that we've put together in various formats to help you learn more about how to create more health in your life. We have a weekly Thrive Thought that we send out. We have a digital magazine that you can get. And, of course, this radio show. So check that out on 5 thriveplancom you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 5 to Thrive. And we like to start every show with gratitude for our sponsors because without our sponsors, we really could not do this show. And we like to extend our thanks to Cetria Glutathione, Cognizance Acetylcholine, Delta Gold, Tocotrienols, AC Grace Company, and Dr. O'Hara's Probiotics. We really do appreciate our sponsors so very much. Okay, well, with no further ado, I'm going to introduce to you our guest. Our guest tonight is Dr. Narala Jacoby. Hello, Narala. Hey, Liz. How are you going? <laughs> Very good. Thank you. So, Dr. Narala has called us all the way from the fine country of Australia, where she lives. She graduated from Bastyr University in 1998 and practiced as a naturopathic physician in Montana until she moved to the beautiful town of Brisbane, Australia in 2005, where she currently has a very busy clinic. And aside from clinical practice, Dr. Jacoby has a keen interest in mentoring Australian naturopathic students and practitioners through national seminars. And in Australia, she's considered an expert in the natural treatment of small intestine bacterial overgrowth and is developing a practitioner referral network for the the effective treatment of SIBO, which is how people often refer to small intestine bacterial overgrowth, and we'll have her explain that to us. She lives in a beautiful home with her wonderful husband and old dog, as she says, in beautiful Byron Bay. So, Dr. Jacoby, it really is a pleasure to have you on. Not one, one of the things your bio does not tell our listeners is that you have a delightful personality, and you embody, I think, the, the sense of exuberant, positive, loving life. So I just oh, I cherish so that about you. That's so sweet. And thank you so much for having me back on your show. It was really fun the last time. So even though it feels really far away, I always feel a little bit connected when we have a radio show. So yes, great. it is great. I know, and Carolyn got the honors last time, so tonight I get to have you all to myself. So just to help orient our listeners, it's currently, um, let's see, what time? 8 o'clock East Coast time in the United States. What time? Uh, on Thursday. So what day and time are you? I'm the next day at noon. I'm on Friday at noon right now. All right. And Friday noon looks good from this end. 
think it'll be fine for you too tomorrow. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, that's kind of a weird thing, you know, when we're living right here in this moment together, but we're really on different days, sort of a mind, yeah. mind boggle there. Okay, so I want to get right to the topic, and you know what I want to start with? I want to start with with asking you about a quote that you share and you use a lot. And your quote is, the digestive tract is like the root of a tree. Optimal health and wellness grow from there. So what the heck does that mean? Well, this was, as you know, one of our mantras (laughs) uh, going through naturopathic medical school. And it really um, has helped in my clinic tremendously because the gut is, I mean, but when we say it's the root of the tree, it's it's where everything sort of starts, not just your breakdown and assimilation of food and your absorption of nutrients, but really, as we now know from just some, some very current research, is that um, it's also the driver of inflammation and other sort of pathogenic pathways, as well as it's the host of the microbiome, which is our other sort of genetic pool that we have in our body. So it's really the hub of where everything sort of happens. And it's our first interface with the outside world. So where we really assimilate what's not self into self. And when we then see patients that have seemingly unrelated conditions, such as headaches or uh, rashes or fatigue, um, we often, well, I do, I often start looking in the digestive tract because if that's really the root of what's happening, then often what I would qualify as other, um, you know, this other symptoms are like leaves on a tree. So you don't really treat the leaves, you treat the root of the tree, and that's when the whole tree gets healthy. And if you treat the leaves like taking aspirin for headaches and things, you're sort of not addressing the cause of the, the actual driver of that symptom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a wonderful metaphor and a really good way to to, to describe that. And I'm actually going to, I'm not going to, I don't want you to answer this question now, but I want to just tell you that at some point later in the show, I'd like to hear your thoughts on how digestive function, uh, what role digestive function has even in diseases as serious as cancer. But we're going to leave that aside for the moment because I want to actually start by having you describe what optimal or, you know, just good, like if somebody came in, how would they describe their digestion to you and for you to respond with that your digestion is great, you have no issues? Um, I, I think I've seen maybe three people in my <laughs> clinic that have ever, that would ever fit that criteria because, um, you know, one of the main things that, that people experience now is stress, but we'll get to that later, but you know, if somebody said, um, I um, digest my food perfectly, I have one to two bowel movements a day, I have absolutely no gas or bloating, um, I have, um, you know, I have absolutely no um, abdominal pain, I have no symptoms, it's quiet, everything is very quiet and perfect. And really, rarely do I hear that, even though people that come in for seemingly unrelated conditions don't ever really... They, they kind of give the gut a second thought. They don't really actually um, list that very often, although I have a very detailed questionnaire. Uh, but what we find now sort of in relation to, let's say, gluten intolerance is that some people have no digestive symptoms, and yet they can have a gut-generated symptom. So it's even those people that very, very rarely would say that, I would still consider the digestive tract as potentially involved in their condition. Mm-hmm. So you, so people don't, you, you, you see few people with the optimal digestion walking into your clinic. How about when they walk out? Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> if I've done my job right, they um, are happy campers. So they come back very often and they say my digestion has been better than you know I've ever experienced before. I didn't like a lot of times people get used to their symptoms. You know that's probably what you see in your practice as well, where you ask them and then they say no everything is fine, and then when they come back they say well actually I had a lot of digestive symptoms that I didn't even know I had until we started working together, and then those symptoms just disappeared and they have a flat stomach and they don't have any. Um, you know, any constipation or loose stools or undigested foods in their stools or any of those kinds of symptoms. 
Okay, good. So, uh, you know, I think that's important to, to really give some airtime to, to the fact that people's digestive systems are amenable to being improved. And I would almost say that in my practice, digestion, despite really long-standing digestive issues, typically a lot of improvement can be made really at any point in somebody's life. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, I, you know, when people come to see us, of course, that they're, they're ill or they have, a, they have some condition. So it's, it's not that we see healthy people. So we always have to consider the digestive tract as part of the, the whole picture. And yeah. I do, you know, like the, the most commonly prescribed product that I give is herbal bitters, you know, by far. So, and mm. we can talk about that later when we talk about stress and, and the effects of stress on the digestive tract and all that. And that is a perfect tee-up because I want to come back with that after our break. I want to talk about some of the, the ways and reasons why digestion can head south, so to speak. And so we'll take that up when we come right back for a break. Vitamin E is a critical health-promoting nutrient, but it's not just one vitamin, it's a family of eight different compounds that includes tocopherols and tocotrienols. Mixed tocopherols and tocotrienols are much more effective than the alpha tocopherol in most vitamin E supplements. Unique E tocotrienol from AC Grace Company is pure 100% all-natural tocotrienols. Sourced from the rainforest anato plant, Unique E tocotrienol contains the potent and scientifically researched Delta Gold. This revolutionary ingredient is patent protected, made in the USA, and features the most powerful forms of tocotrienol. If you want the best vitamin E supplement, look for Unique E Tocotrienol with Delta Gold. Get the most out of your vitamin E supplement. Get Unique E with Delta Gold. For more information, call 800-833-4368. You can also visit acgrace.com. That's A-C-G-R-A-C-E dot com. Find out more about this potent combination by calling 800 800- 833-4368. You've planned, packed, paid, and are counting down the days. Whether it's a trip of a lifetime or a weekend getaway, don't risk ruining your hard-earned vacation by neglecting to protect your health. Hi, I'm Susie Cohen, author of The 24-Hour Pharmacist, and I'm often asked how to prevent illness when traveling. I recommend packing award-winning Dr. O'Hara's probiotics as the best defense against traveler's tummy. The convenient, travel-friendly blister packs are portable and never need to be refrigerated. Backed by 25 years of research, Dr. O'Hara's probiotics use various strains of live beneficial bacteria combined in a centuries-old Japanese fermentation process. The result is a superior supplement that enhances immunity and digestion, so it helps reduce the risk of getting traveler's diarrhea caused by foodborne bacteria. Stay healthy while traveling and remember to pack your probiotics. Discover the Dr. O'Hara difference. Dr. O'Hara's probiotics are available at Vitamin Shop, Whole Foods, Sprouts, and other fine health food stores nationwide. If you have just joined us, my name is Dr. Lisa Schuler, tonight's host. Tonight I am joined by Dr. Narala Jacoby, all the way from Australia, and we are talking about digestive health. If you would like to ask a question of the good doctor in Australia, please join our conversation. You can do that by opening up the chat box, which is collapsed on the lower right side of your screen. You don't have to sign in. You can just use the name assigned to you if you'd like and you can enter your question into the general chat box, and I'll be taking a look at that throughout the show. 
Okay, Dr. Jacoby, I want to go to what you were kind of teeing up before we went to break, which is this idea about stress. And I'd like for you to start with stress and maybe just kind of go through what you see in your practice as the top causes of digestive maladies. Okay, so let's think about what stress actually is. So there's, you know, there's good stress that we experience, which is sort of um, busyness and, uh, you know, busyness with our lives, but generally we don't feel a sense of overwhelm. But when stress gets really too much and chronic, where we experience just the chronic inner tension, what happens is that um, we have two branches of our, well, we have a branch in our nervous system called the autonomic nervous system, which is the stuff that happens automatically, your, your digestion, your heartbeat, all these things are under that control. And so what happens is when we're chronically stressed, we overdrive the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight or flight um, sort of pathway. And when that happens, you are shunting away the blood from your digestive tract and shunting it to the mu- big muscles because our uh, brain wants to run away from this perceived threat. And when we do that, a lot of different uh, functions of the digestive tract actually shut down or are greatly reduced, such as the production of stomach acid with chronic stress. I mean, we all have the acute stressors that can uh, lead to overproduction of stomach acid, but some of the more chronic cases that I see all have low stomach acid as a result of just having no stimulus for, uh, for the production of stomach acid. As well, uh, what happens is that you uh, sort of shut down the, the absorption process. So everything becomes very stagnant and um, it's just not really functioning to an optimal level. What we want to promote whilst we eat is the rest and digest phase, which is the other, um, the opposite to the sympathetic nervous system. So rest and digest is what we want. And um, so that, just to answer your question, so the main things that I see that people come in with that are contributing to their digestive difficulty is for sure stress. Um, obviously a poor diet. I mean, there, there's no place for a poor diet in anyone that wants to be healthy. And I would qualify a, a a poor diet being uh, high in processed foods, way too many carbohydrates, caffeine, sugar, um, just foods that's, that I would call dead foods that are just don't have any life to them. And the, the third thing would be dysbiosis um, or an overgrowth of pathogenic organisms, whether that's in the small intestine or the large intestine. And that can certainly contribute to inflammation, um, immune alteration, and just a general feeling of malaise and, and a num- in a numerous things or symptoms that people don't necessarily attribute to um, digestion, such as rashes and headaches and uh, muscle aches and joint pain. Mm-hmm. And you said something that I think would, is important to, to dive into a little bit more, and that is you made the comment that when people are under chronic stress, that the energy and the you know activity in their digestive system is lessened, and one of the things that gets decreased is their production of hydrochloric acid or their stomach acid. And yet most people under stress perceive themselves as having too much acid and and you know they might have reflux or something like that and they're prescribed typically some kind of calcium some kind of block blocker of that acid a proton pump inhibitor so that their stomach doesn't make as much of this acid so can you talk to us a little bit about what you think about that therapeutic strategy and um, what maybe an alternative explanation to what might be happening mm, yeah and that's um, a very common um, I mean, very co- uh, excuse me. Very commonly, do I see people come in with proton pump inhibitors, and I I truly think it's one of like the, the first medications that I try to get people off because um, let's just think about for a moment, or or let me just explain what actually happens in your stomach. So when you digest, the acidity of your stomach is supposed to be the equivalent equivalent of car battery acid. So imagine you have this little bag of car battery acid in your stomach. This is just normally what happens in people that have good digestion. Uh, we are meant to have that, and the reason we don't just burn a hole straight through our stomach is that we have a very thick layer of mucus that protects us from this acid. And chronic stress affects that and affects the layer of that um, 
gut mucus. And so when you under chronic stress, you underproduce hydrochloric acid. Now your body is thinking, well, hey, wait a minute. I don't have to make this mucus. And I'm greatly simplifying, of course, as other things that happen, but your mucus starts to thin so that you can now experience burning when you eat acidic foods like tomatoes or drink coffee or you eat spicy foods or you eat a lot of meat. And then people are put on proton pump inhibitors. And what I think about that is that it's not a good strategy because it does, it actually does the exact opposite of what the body needs. Now, proton pump inhibitors, just as an aside, by the FDA have been declared that you should only be taking proton pump inhibitors for a maximum of two to three weeks, three times a year because of the, the increased risk of fractures which means that you can break your bones easily or more easily. And the reason for that is that stomach acid, um, and I'm sorry, I'm going off on a little tangent, but I'll come oh, this back. Is, this is great. You're good. You're good. Okay. Okay. Uh, so the, the, the purpose of stomach acid, why do we have all this, this stomach acid? Number one reason is to start the breakdown of protein. And they're very long strands of amino acids, and they have to be broken down in smaller bits. That's number one. Number two is you need it to activate an, another component that will help you to absorb B12. Thirdly, you need it to increase to help you the absorption of minerals, and that's calcium and magnesium and so forth. And lastly, you need it to kill uh, bacteria that are found in foods um, that we commonly ingest and that if we are overwhelmed with can certainly cause cases of, of stomach bugs, gastroenteritis, and the like. So what we now see is if we start to block that stomach acid, yes, we will have a temporary improvement or seeming improvement of our symptom, but proton pump inhibitors block stomach acid by over 95%. I just don't think that's a good long-term strategy for good digestion, no matter how you look at it. And the other class of, of acid blockers, the H2 blockers like Zantac, they block the acid by about 75%. So often what I do, because you don't want to ever, you know, people, your listeners that are on proton pump inhibitors, um, you really do want to have somebody that works through this with you because the, the, what will happen is if you stop your proton pump inhibitor, you will have a rebound effect of hyperacidity. So you will just have all this acid coming and without any mucus protection. So you really do want to build up your mucus before you start to wean off any kind of uh, proton pump inhibitor or other acid blockers. Okay, good. So can you, can you kind of walk through, I know that it would require some guidance, hopefully, but can you just give us give our listeners a sense of what that process would involve? Because I, I think this is actually a topic that we've not really spent time on on this show, and I think that it's a really important topic, particularly for our listenership, many of whom have gone through treatment for cancer, a common co-medication during that treatment are proton pump inhibitors or H2 blockers, and they often are, uh, people will stay on these long past the time that their cancer treatment is done. So I think that this might actually be something that we should spend a little time on. I think that's, um, you know, truly it's so often overlooked and I have patients that come in that have been on proton pump inhibitors like Nexium or Prilosec or a number of these, these drugs um, that, that help them initially, um, and they're so used to it, they just keep refilling the prescription. But really what they're setting themselves up for is a malabsorption of minerals. So uh, people that already are frail or have a low bone density, um, that's how you assess whether or not you're, you're susceptible to osteoporosis, um, are really not very good candidates for that. And I think there's so many great natural alternatives and strategies to really improve upper digestion. Now, there are many reasons why people can have reflux, and I certainly am not suggesting that you, if you have severe erosive um, esophagitis or any of those types of um, more, more sinister conditions, you need to really work with somebody before you undertake uh, weaning, the weaning process. But even those cases, there are often underlying drivers that, um, that cause that. You know, so, for example, you mentioned SIBO or small intestine bacterial overgrowth. If you have a lot of gas or, um, or fermentation happening in the upper gut, so just below your stomach, um, that gas can actually push that acid or that little bit of acid that you may have left in your stomach into the esophagus fairly easily. 
So reflux is one of the symptoms, actually, of SIBO, and it's not that you're overproducing stomach acid. Mm-hmm. So it's really an issue of timing is what I often talk to my patients about, that their symptoms of reflux or burning maybe because <clears throat> they the, the acid, the little bit that they are producing, is being produced at the wrong time when there's not necessarily food in the system. So they get these symptoms, and then when they uh, have food because they're on these medications, they don't have enough acid, as you said, to get all the digestion that needs to happen happening and absorbing those minerals. And that becomes quite a vicious cycle. So, and it sounds like in your practice, you really have linked that pretty tightly to the kind of problems down the line. And you mentioned SIBO or small intestine bacterial overgrowth. Is there also a relationship in your practice to, say, bowel regularity issues, either constipation or diarrhea? Um, yeah, that can certainly be the case because if you're, if you, let's say, you're not really breaking down your proteins. Right, and your, um, your or your food in general. I mean, there. I'm like I said. I'm really simplifying. There are other co- like other purposes for stomach acid that activate different aspects of digestion. So, um, so one of those could also be called, uh, you know, could be cholecystokinin, for example, which is another hormone that is secreted in the just the first part of your small intestine in response to food that stimulates bile release. And if you don't do that properly, then um, you can also be more prone to constipation. Um, if you're not digesting your food properly because of low stomach acid in general, you can draw more water into the bowel as a, as a body's way of trying to flush out what it perceives as, as not really uh, food because it hasn't reached the, the small intestine in a digested manner. So there's lots of implications of um, a very basic function of the body that I'm, I'm, you know, like, honestly, Lise, I'm so perplexed by why so many people are acid blockers. I find that the most uncreative prescription ever, because it just doesn't really do anything to to help you digest or even heal um, what it's meant to heal. So, bends everything. Yeah, so, so that, so that, with that point being made, how then do you approach somebody what are the alternatives, or kind of can you outline your general strategy yeah, for so, managing this? Yeah, and so you know, I mean, I always have my treatment plan in the context of everything in terms of what what's going on with them. But if we're purely talking about somebody who is on acid blockers and who is who wants to get off because generally they feel it's not serving them anymore, what I would do is I would switch from a PPI or proton pump inhibitor to an H2 blocker just because you're suppressing less stomach acid initially. Um, But even that, a lot of people won't need that, but that's sort of the safer way of doing it. Um, Then what I do is I really um, look at their diet and remove things that can be irritants to uh, a a stomach lining that hasn't built up any mucus yet. And that would be, like I said before, sort of acidic foods like tomatoes and spicy foods and coffee and and, um, and so forth. And, you know, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of people take P- uh, proton pump inhibitors because they want to continue eating foods that they know causes them problem, and that would be kind of sometimes bad foods like pizza and processed foods and things like that, you know. But uh, don't get me started on that. But basically, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, then what I do is I also look at their carbohydrate intake because oftentimes it's the simple sugars and carbs that cause irritation in the stomach lining. Um, and then what I do is I give them a product that builds up their mucus, and that can be um, something called, readily available online or in the health food stores, any product that has something called DGL in it, which is deglycerinated licorice. And what that does is it just stimulates the body to produce um, mucus. There are other herbs like... Um, slippery elm and, you know, marshmallow that can really, not the marshmallows that you roast in a fire, but marshmallow is a herb that's very, has a very mucilaginous kind of um, quality and that can really help soothe and inflame mucosa. So those things are really helpful. And then what I do is I give um, herbs that stimulate the production of stomach acid and those are the classic bitters. So if your listeners are living somewhere where there's a health food store that has a herbal dispensary, um, and, you know, I've lived in Australia long enough now that I call it herbs, not herbs, but Mm -hmm. if you have herbs available to you liquid, 
um, those are wonderful. They're so helpful. And you just need a few dropper folds of, of a combination of perhaps dandelion and gentian and, and so forth that can really stimulate. Because we think about, you know, how people, the old farmers, they used to have a shot of Jägermeister in Germany before they went home to eat. And Jägermeister, not that I advocate that, but basically it's just was used to be just a bunch of bitters. It was a herbal tonic that they took a shot off before they went home and had their big meal of, of whatever farmers ate at that time, and they digested everything a lot better. So it, there are a lot of sort of tonics that help to uh, produce stomach acid, but also further down the track, they help to uh, stimulate production of pancreatic enzymes. So everything just starts to run a lot smoother. So I would summarize by saying you want to wean carefully off the PPI or your, or your um, acid blocker, while you're also addressing your diet and um, you're soothing the mucosa and stimulating mucus production and you're taking um, natural substance, substances to stimulate uh, the production of stomach acid. You can also just use some apple cider vinegar if you don't have any of that, but it's not as strong as some of these really beautiful herbs that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad that you have spoken about bitters because I do think in some ways it's becoming a forgotten art or a forgotten science, really, and part of, of core naturopathic practice, certainly. And I would agree, bitters are so effective. And yes, apple cider vinegar accomplishes much the same thing as does um, doing some lemon water before meals because stimulating the sour taste receptors can trigger digestion, too. But I think you make a really important point that these bitters are just the consummate way to improve digestion and and, and so effective. And, you know, I, I think we've kind of lost as a culture our taste for bitter. I mean, the most bitter thing people have the opportunity to take on a regular basis is their coffee, and they typically sweeten it up. So I think that it takes a little getting used to, but once I find once – uh, you start incorporating more bitter in your diet, you actually start to crave it, actually. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's, like I said before, it's it's the one that I, I can't keep on the shelf at my clinic because I just go through so much of it. People are so, um, you know, they really appreciate it and really enjoy it because it's not that you're giving them a pill or, or it's not another supplement that they have to take. There's something really innately that we can connect with when we taste also the plants. And it's, I don't know, I just, I think it's a wonderful way of, of getting some plant energy in us also. Yes. So, Norala, we have a question from one of our listeners. I think it's a good question that we should uh, pose, and then uh, after your answer, we'll have to take another break. So this listener uh, has some altered digestion from taking tamoxifen, which is an estrogen receptor blocking drug typically recommended to women who have a history of breast cancer or ovarian cancer. And uh, she uh, notes that two days ago she started Creon, which is a prescription, you know, fairly strong strength digestive enzyme formulation, and says that so far it's great. Uh, and she wants to know if this is a good option. So maybe you could address the idea of digestive enzymes. Mm, great question. Um, okay, so you have two areas where you need enzymes, or well, or two, let's say, two areas where you make enzymes. Number one is in your pancreas, and let's just talk about what enzymes are. So let's, we've already talked about stomach acid. Your stomach breaks down the long chains of protein into smaller bits. And then you also have your fats and your carbs, right, that you've eaten. Now, the fats are going to be digested by the bile, so we won't talk about that. But the the remainder of the protein strains and your carbs are going to be needed to be or will be broken down further by little uh, molecules called enzymes, which just kind of go in there and like like a Pac-Man kind of thing, break it down into really absorbable forms. So... Um, the, the strands of protein will be broken down into amino acids and the uh, uh, carbs will be broken down into saccharides, polysaccharides. So um, I don't know if you wanted that much detail, but that's what I, that I always explain it that way because it's helpful to really visualize what's happening. So you need these enzymes to further the, the digestive process. You have another place that makes enzyme, and that's what's called the brush border, and that's in your small intestines. And it's it's at the very um, top of your villi, which are these little finger-like protrusions 
that stick out into your small intestine that increase the surface area of your um, small intestine. So there you secrete other enzymes that are also very necessary. This is where we break down our um, carbs like lactose, for example, and people that are lactose intolerant, um, you know, very often can't digest the milk sugar because they lack this particular enzyme. So they're a little bit smaller, but they're also very, very necessary and often lacking in, in people that have SIBO. So just to answer the question, yeah, Creon is, um, can be very, very helpful if you have a condition or um, a pancreatic insufficiency where your pancreas has ju- is just exhausted. Um, you know, sometimes the pancreas gets tired because your body is too acidic and it just has to secrete buffering agents and alkalizing agents, and it can actually exhaust the pancreas a little bit so that you also then... Um, sometimes don't make enough enzymes. So if you're getting benefit from taking a really, I mean, Creon is pretty strong. Um, if, if you're taking that, you, um, and you're getting benefit, it certainly sounds like you're not breaking down your food properly. Now, sometimes that's the cause of the pan- or because of pancreatic insufficiency, but sometimes it is because of hypochlorhydria or low stomach acid because you require that to stimulate enzyme release. Okay, so Nerala, I'm going to stop you there because we have to take another break, but I think you're in the middle of a thought, so we're going to pick up the rest of that thought when we come back from our break. All right. Interested in boosting your brain power? So am I. This is Carolyn Gazella, co-host of Five to Thrive Live, and I'm here to tell you about a supplement that I take. The human brain needs a lot of nutrition to stay focused throughout the day. Citicoline naturally enhances energy-producing centers within the brain. Cognizant delivers a clinically tested, patented form of citicoline that supplies your brain with the energy it needs to stay sharp. Look for Cognizant on the label. Or for more information, visit Cognizant.com. That's Cognizant.com. Cancer survivors? Check. Authors? Check. Cancer doctor? Check. Research journalist? Check. Two women committed to integrative cancer prevention and treatment? Double check. If this sounds interesting to you, then join Dr. Lisa Alshuler and Carolyn Gazella, the co-hosts of Five to Thrive Live, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on W4CS.com. With enthusiastic dedication inspired by expert guests, Dr. Alshuler and Carolyn promise to empower you with life-changing knowledge and practical strategies to help you thrive. Join them on their mission to change the course of cancer and tune in to Five to Thrive Live, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific on the Cancer Support Network, W4CS.com. We are constantly being bombarded by toxins in the air we breathe, water we drink, and even the foods we eat. So what's the answer? Glutathione. It's inside every cell in your body and protects you from the damage of oxidative stress and toxins. There's a special patented form of glutathione that is superior called Cetria. Cetria is pure, vegetarian, and allergen-free. Help replenish your body's reserves of this very important nutrient, detoxified a natural way. Visit cetriaglutathione.com. That's cetriaglutathione.com. I'm Dr. Lisa Schuler, tonight's host. I'm with Dr. Nerala Jacoby, and we are talking about digestion. 
we've covered, we've kind of, we're working our way down. We, we, we've covered stomach and pancreas and we're, we're kind of in the small intestine now. And um, actually we have uh, some good questions coming in and feel free to join the conversation. Just open up the general chat box, bottom right of your screen and type away and I'll check those out as we go forward. So uh, Dr. Raleigh, we actually do have a follow-up question on the last one and, and uh, this is a really wonderful question. So you mentioned there's clearly people can have issues with their stomach acid as well. People can have pancreatic insufficiency, and then you've you've kind of teased up this uh, digestive brush border, uh, small intestinal brush border enzyme issue. So how do people figure out what's going on? Is there a test for the pancreas or for stomach acid secretion to see where the issue might be? Mm. And, uh, yeah, so there isn't like a simple, uh, you know, test that can be done other than if you want to see what the function of your pancreas is, there is a stool test that you can, um, that you can, I'm not so sure anymore about America if you can request anything from your, from your doctor, but, um, but there are, uh, functional tests that you can get from your naturopathic doctor or other practitioner that, our stool test where you can actually um, assess what's called pancreatic elastase. And pancreatic elastase is a marker for pancreatic insufficiency. Um, so that's one. Uh, in terms of stomach acid, very often it's a trial and error. Some of the symptoms of low stomach acid can include a sense of fullness after meals where you just feel like food is sitting in your stomach and you're belching and you're, you're not really digesting your food properly versus just um, pancreatic insufficiency, that's, we see a lot more diarrhea with that and, and a lot of undigested foods in the stool um, or really pale stools and, and uh, funny-looking stools. I mean, all of these symptoms can have other causes, but um, that, that can be sort of a, a clue that it's stomach acid versus pancreatic insufficiency. Now, when it comes to brush borders, there, there is a reason why um, you would have not enough brush border enzymes. And most of the time, that's either malabsorp uh, malabsorption syndromes, and that could be from um, gluten or celiac disease, or gluten and uh, mostly celiac disease that causes blunting of these absorptive surfaces, um, or SIBO, where you have just a tremendous amount of gas production and um, really destruction of the microvilli due to the bacteria that are overgrown in that area. And that's, that's assessed by doing um, a lactulose or, um, and glucose breath test. Um, and you can find out more about that if you, um, I don't know if you want to get into that, but basically there's a great website by Dr. Seebecker um, that gives you more information about this called SIBOinfo.com. And I have a website that I do um, testing through here in Australia that's called SIBOtest.com. And you can, there's a little quiz you can take and there's a little video about SIBO if you, um, want to spend four minutes watching a video. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah, no, that's a great resource. So it's SIBO, S-I-B-O, test.com is your website, and then SIBO info, right, is yep, the other one. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a – and I know you were on our show um, a few months back talking specifically about SIBO, so people can also look in our archives for that. Um, so when people have digestive issues and – you know, they, they might be manifesting in these various symptoms. And you know that you, the doctor, kind of figuring out what's going on, you apply therapies. How long would you – I have two two-part question. How long does it take for people to go from being symptomatic to having near-perfect digestion? And once people have their digestive system corrected, do you find that they need to maintain any of those therapies forever, or do they eventually get to a place where they're maintaining without? Mm -hmm. So, we, you know, when we talk about digestive influences, the stress that we talked about, the diet, um, the digestive juices, let's call them, which is your hydrochloric acid and your pancreatic enzymes, um, those are all different sort of influencing factors. So, perfect digestion, um, which is our sort of um, goal would be that you really do address all of that. So when somebody comes in for digestive issues, I don't just talk about their diet or the supplements that they need to take. I talk about their lifestyle. I say, okay, 
are you actually sitting down and eating slowly? You know, a lot of people are rushed. They eat, they eat very fast. And some of the, you know, sometimes that's necessary, but you don't want to do that routinely. And one little tip that I tell people that are fast eaters is just um, eat with chopsticks, you know, because you can't really <laughs> shovel the food in very fast. Um, and so uh, that's, that helps some people just to slow down or just practicing mindfulness uh, before a meal. That'll help actually get the digestive tract ready. We hear this all the time, but it really does work. Um, so once those factors, you know, have been have been addressed and their diet has been changed and the bitters and all the rest of it, um, it's it the digestive tract is so forgiving. That's the wonderful thing. It's not that you have to do this for months on end unless you really have a chronic condition that requires that you um, use antimicrobials and you do, you have a lot of rehab to do in the gut. But for the most part, if you treat it right it will really bounce back within about, I'd say, about six weeks um, of doing all the right things, you should definitely notice. Now, when I give out a bottle of my bitters, um, and I, cause I often use it as a diagnostic. I, I change some things in their diet, and I say, take this bottle of bitters, and they come back in two weeks. If you're not, if, you're, if your gas and bloating is not 80% improved by then, we're going to have to look further. That's how confident I am of that, you know? So um, it's... It's, it's a great little tool to kind of see um, if, if that's really your underlying issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And that's, that's actually very hopeful because I think that that's a nice parameter for people to kind of think about. And, and really, you know, even um, when people experience relief, I think with something, there's a tendency to just believe that you have to stay on that forever. But in fact, many mm-hmm. of these natural therapies are healing the underlying issue so eventually your your own body can exactly. can do on its own. Yeah. And the old naturopathic doctors, you know, like when you go back into the annals of, of naturopathic medicine, they used to say, put put your patient on bitters for three months and see what's left after of, of their symptoms after those three months. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of restorative, you know, it really is. And I mean amongst all the besides all the other products that you um, mention also in your books that are really healing to the digestive lining. All those are really great strategies to include into sort of more of a formal gut rehab. I'd say certainly probiotics. I'm not even going to go there because that's such a huge topic, you know, and it, I could talk for days on probiotics alone. But, of course, if you're somebody that has had a lot of um, uh, antibiotic intervention or chemotherapy that really disrupts um, this incredible uh, you know, microbiome that we have or this little entity that lives in our digestive tract and is the symbiotic relationship, that absolutely needs to be restored before we can talk about um, perfect digestion. Good. So, Dr. Jacoby, we're um, almost out of time, and we actually have uh, one more question for you from our listener, which is she's asking for the bitter that you recommended, I think you did mention a specific bitter early, earlier on, and I honestly don't remember which one you recommended. So clearly we need you to repeat yourself. Okay. Um, so there's, there's a group that uh, a lot of herbs actually that are out there are bitters, you know, like dandelion, for example. The common, um, much-hated dandelion, it's actually a wonderful little herb. And, um, the, you know, they, it's, it has a bitter flavor, I mean, when I'm talking about therapeutic herbs, you're not going to just go dig out a dandelion necessarily, but you can get them in extracts and you might want to consult with somebody at the health food store or somebody that sells tinctures or liquid herbs. And so dandelion would be a great one because it also has a cholagog effect on, which is an effect that helps to stimulate bile flow and that's important for emulsifying all your fat. So um, that's really a nice little bitter Gentian is sort of the the holy grail of bitters. It's classic, classic herbal bitter. Um, you only need like a very few drops to even on even if you just had that one herb, a few drops um, in water on just before you um, have a meal. Typically, about 10-15 minutes before a meal, you have you have your bitters. Another herb is um, that I often use is Oregon grape because it also has a tonifying effect on your stomach and on your small intestine. So those are some good starting places. And then you can sweeten things up with fennel and um, with, you know, some other herbs that are just nice tasting. Wonderful. 
Well, Dr. Jacoby, this has been such a wonderful night, and I think that you've shared some really good information, and you have a really nice way of describing all of this. I, I, I feel like people who are listening are probably feeling like they know a lot more about their own digestion now than they did 50 minutes ago, which is exactly what we try to help people develop. So thank you so much for joining us. And can you give your websites one more time to our listeners if they want to learn more about you and learn more about whatever you have to say? Sure. Thank you. Thanks, Liz. It was great. I had a great time. Um, my website, my personal website is com, and that's N-I-R-A-L-A-J-A-C-O-B-I.com. And the SIBOTest.com is the testing website where you can get more information about SIBO as well. That's under, um, we're just revamping, we're rebranding it, but it's still very useful. Right now it's SIBOTest.com, so that's S-I-B-O-Test.com. Fantastic. Well, it was a pleasure, a delight, and thank you for taking some of your lunch hour to join us from the fine country of Australia, and I hope that you enjoy your Sunday day down there. It sounds like you're having a beautiful one, which we will get tomorrow. And I also want to thank listeners for joining us tonight. I hope you had a good time and that you learned a lot. And you can find out more about the show and about other resources on 5thriveplan.com. Enjoy the rest of your evening. May you experience joy, laughter, and love. And it is time to thrive. Have a great night, everyone. Go, go, go.